but mercy me. I've talked to more and more TA professionals and leaders who have been in job transitions the past 12 to 18 months. And their experience, and this is these are people who, who have engaged us, who've been a part of our research, they, they get it. Their experience has been abysmal. I, I mean, and it's just so disheartening to, to, to me to hear that, and they're in the business. Welcome back everyone to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on all around us and explore the disruptive convergence of technology, business, and people. Here are your hosts, Ira Wolf and Jason Cochran. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, a show from the People Forward Network. I'm Ira Wolf, and thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Hey, and I'm Jason Cochran. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. We are the voice of the most important, crucial conversations confronting business leaders and people today. Our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine your tomorrow and explore the impact and convergence of business, technology, and people. In this episode, you're going to hear from a geek, skeezers, and Googleization veteran and alumni, Kevin Grossman, uh, president of the Talent Board, and his co-author, Adela Skulderman, who just released their new book, Candidate Experience, How to Improve Talent Acquisition to Drive Business Performance. We can't wait to dig into what they're learning from candidates in today's labor market, and especially what lessons they have to share for our listeners about what, how to fill those open positions. But before we get there, Jason, last week I mentioned uh, about the Gallup State of the Workplace report, their 2022 report. And the results are still reverberating around the HR and business communities. And just to give our listeners kind of a quick catch up if you didn't, if you didn't listen last week, 60% of employees are emotionally detached at work. 19% report that they're miserable. 31% report that they were angry yesterday. 49% said that they were stressed out. 57% said they are not thriving and not engaged. And only 9% said they are thriving and engaged. So just this morning, I spent two hours with another Geek Skeezers and Googleization friend, Ivanti CEO Jeff Abbott and his team. Uh, we did in rapid fire 10 TV and radio interviews about their new report about digital experience, the digital employee experience. The report just dropped this morning. And just a little background, they they surveyed 10,000 workers around the world, uh, including CEOs, or not CEOs, but C C-suites people, uh, knowledge workers, just office workers, and also IT. And Jeff was on a previous episode, and we talked about the everywhere workplace. And, you know, I think you've probably heard me talk about that a gazillion times already. Well, the new report talks about the, the employee experience, and that obviously ties into talking about the candidate experience, especially when we talk about the digital experience. And I'm here to say that every business leader, every HR leader, every IT leader is going to want to get their hands on that report. And you can do that by going to avanti.com forward slash experience. And Avanti is I-V-A-N-T-I.com forward slash experience. 
uh, we'll put that banner across uh, during the uh, episode and we'll, we'll repeat that down the road and we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, but here's just a couple things that they found out. And, and I want to get Kevin and Adela's take on this as well. 64% of employees admit their morale is impacted by the way they interact with technology. And we already know that's a fact when it comes to candidates uh, that it's not that their morale is affected. They just don't apply. They just walk away. 49% said they're frustrated with the tools that their company provide. And 26% of employees are considering quitting because of a bad digital experience in their company. And as almost every study shows, compensation and benefits are factors on why people apply and quit jobs, but it's not the number one reason workplace balance or work-life balance and flexibility is. And now we've got to add digital experience to that too. So the talent board has been studying this for over a decade and apparently a lot of organizations haven't gotten that message either. Yeah, this is top of mind for me, Ira, because at Dooley, we just hired two new folks this last week. Uh, they formally accepted offers this week. And I can tell you that if you aren't leading with your employer brand and having and creating an amazing candidate experience, it'll probably take you longer than what we did. We're very fortunate that we had basically a one and a half week turnaround, one week turnaround. And so investing in your culture, making sure you communicate your why, create an amazing candidate experience. It's not just fluff that we're talking about here, folks, real world application. And I'll tell you the other side of the coin, Ira, as a customer, I care about this because my wife and I are celebrating our 10-year anniversary today, 10-year wedding anniversary. We are leaving on Tuesday, July 5th, to go to Paso Grill Beach down in Florida. My fingers are crossed, Delta Airlines, that you will have the pilots and the crew where our flight is not going to get changed or canceled in some way. And so this affects all of us. You know, it's affecting people who are hiring, but it's affecting our daily lives too when companies aren't creating those amazing experiences to be fully staffed and to provide an amazing customer experience as well. So I'm so glad we have them on today to help us sort through this and get to some answers. And before we get to them, just a quick reminder to our audience, you can get SHRM credits now. So if you are an HR professional, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, but another reason you should listen is because you can get the SHRM credits and we have that going on the, the banner here. You can go to our website for the details on how to get your SHRM credits for listening to the show. And please like and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss our amazing episodes like we're going to have today with Kevin and Adela. So it seems like now is a pretty good time to bring in Kevin and Adela uh, and talk about the candidate experience and how it relates to the employee experience and filling all those open jobs. Kevin Grossman uh, is president of the Talent Board. He's been there for, I believe, almost about 10 years. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. And Adela Schulderman uh, had worked with the Talent Board and is a talent acquisition leader and recruiter at the Edwards Life Sciences. So let's give a good old Googleization Nation welcome to Kevin and Adela. Thank you. Welcome, guys. Hey, welcome back, Evan, and 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 uh, welcome to the show, Adela. Thank so you. I really appreciate you being here, and congratulations on your book. By the way, congratulations, Jason, on that anniversary, uh, and uh, to Kevin and, and Adela, congratulations on the book. Uh, quite an achievement, having had a, a few under my belt. Uh, it, it's it's a lot of it's a lot a lot of work, and sure. uh, I know that a lot of people are anticipating this, so we can't wait to dig into it. Uh, 
Kevin, uh, maybe you can give us a little bit of a background on, you know, the talent board, just for, for those people who aren't familiar with it, uh, what the talent board is, and then a little bit of inspiration of why you decided to write a book. Sure. And I just want to first say I'm pulling for you, Jason, on your flight. All right. So, <laughs> I'll I, tell my wife that too. Fingers, fingers crossed. I know. It, yeah. Wow. Um, so I've actually been with the talent board in some capacity almost since the beginning, Ira and Jason. Um, it was founded by Jerry Crispin, Elaine Orler, and Ed Newman. And early on, it was very much this kind of labor of love, a little survey research, volunteer driven thing. So I was one of the early volunteers. And then a few years later, so now it's been over seven since I've been involved in actually helping to run the organization. Um, but it was a few years later that Elaine Orler said, hey, you know, we think that there's an opportunity here for us to continue to, to evolve and mature the research, et cetera. Would you be interested? And, and I said, of, of course. And so that's kind of where I've been ever since. And then gosh, it's been almost like three years ago now, Adela, maybe more. Adela and I started, we met and, and started to collaborate a little bit. And she did some work with us at Talent Board and has been a long time TA professional too. And um, I presented to her, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about putting a book pitch together for um, Kogan Page, which is the publisher who ended up publishing our book. And they had come reached out to me the year before and wanted me to do an HR tech book. And I passed on it because I wanted to focus more on recruiting, et cetera, and what I do at Talent Board, recruiting tech and candidate experience. Anyway, long story short, so I passed on that, but then I pitched them this idea and they were really excited about it. And so then that's hence began our collaboration, Adela and I, on putting the book together. It was very, I mean, it, it, the the events over the past couple of years in, in the world um, have been um, tragic and unfortunate, but timing somehow um, we felt like, you know, like when, when things started to happen and people started to be furloughed and lose their jobs, we, we, we just said, we have to push now. I mean, everything's going to change. And so um, that was really the kind of the, the, the final sort of catalyst to, to um, just to, just to do it. And, and what we wanted to do the idea was definitely our research is well grounded in the book and what we have found over the years. Um, but we wanted to really put a practitioner's lens on it. Hence Adela's input and in, in her contributions to the book um, from pre-application to onboarding to really talk what it's like to be a TA leader and a TA professional and what you should be looking out for and um, then laced with our what we have found in our research is proven practices and the business impact at the end of the day too and and how to make the business case and the list goes on and we can talk more details about that but that was really how the collaboration came together perfect and what's the name of the book again kevin and adela it is candidate experience how to improve talent acquisition to drive business performance because one of the things that we really wanted to do and the publisher wanted us to do and and what we've been tr doing trying to do at talent board for the past few years in particular is to focus on it's not just the the, the feel-good fuzzy part of why you want it to be a positive experience for your candidates externally and internally it's because of all the potential repercussions positive and negative that can happen if it is good or bad 
and you know the willingness to apply again the willingness to refer others the willingness to make purchases if you're a consumer-based company and you're applying for one of those companies just to have brand affinity or not it's those impacts because of the sheer aggregate number of people that aren't getting the job for any job that they apply to you just i mean it varies across job types and we all know that but the sheer volume of people don't get hired for a job that they're interested in that's just the, that's the, the reality so that number over time can help support your employer brand and encourage other people to apply and get referrals or it can eat away at it if it's a really poor I gotta say something, and Adela, maybe you you can speak for your for some of your peers, maybe that you have talked to. But mercy me, I've talked to more and more TA professionals and leaders who have been in job transitions the past twelve to eighteen months, and their experience. And this is these are people who who have engaged us, who've been a part of our research. They they get it. Their experience has been abysmal. I, I mean, and it's just so disheartening to, to, to me to hear that. And they're in the business. <laughs> yeah, my experience was abysmal uh, before Edwards and I was looking for my next opportunity. <laughs> it was, it's so, it's, it's, um, it, it was, it really punctuated again everything that we're that we're working towards. I mean, just the the need of it, the the need for this guidance is um, is out there. I imagine for for TAs like you're saying, talent acquisition leaders. It's pretty easy for you to sniff out a bad candidate experience, just like for psychologists, it is to sniff out a bad test um, that's just out there. Were there any surprises in particular with your book where you're like, huh, this is interesting that the research pulled this out. Anything that, that came as a surprise to you or something you think would be a surprise to our listeners? So, yes, but let me answer it in, in a tongue in cheek way that I've been answering this question because we get this, we always get this question at Talent Board. What is, you know, is there anything surprising? What's new and fresh about candidate experience? And I'm more and more, and I just spoke last night at this event in the Bay Area and talking to a, a room full of TA folks. And I, I'm like, I'm a grumpy old man now standing on my porch telling everybody communication and feedback, communication and feedback, communication and feedback, get off my lawn. <laughs> I mean, because the reality is that companies, listen, not, not what we know in our data and our research and anybody who's been in, in, in talent acquisition for any length of time, TA folks are also fried right now and HR folks too. We can talk about that. But that the hardest part is not about identifying what works and what doesn't and even making improvements. The hardest part is sustaining over time a quality candidate experience. So every year it's always about communication and feedback. What is interesting is that we're seeing these fluctuations that are kind of highlighting with what's happened in the market. In 2020, what we call candidate resentment went down, which we weren't expecting, but it's because the world was on fire with a pandemic. Companies didn't know what they were doing and they had to constantly communicate with their employees and their candidates. This is what we're trying to do. We don't know that you know the, the health mandates were evolving and changing. And candidates were more forgiving then because there was a lot more people that were did get furloughed or laid off and were out of work. Then that started to change again in, in 2021, where it was less consistent communication and candidate resentment rose again. The market started to come back. Job growth came back. And now what we're seeing is it's, we're kind of seeing a little bit of an ebb again, which is a, it's a positive sign. We're still collecting data, by the way, for 2022. We won't be done until the end of August. 
But right now, resentment's down again. And the, the willingness to refer is up again. Um, and, you know, it, part of that's coming from the fact that it's a candidate, it's still the candidate driven market, even though in tech, there is some slowdown. Although it just depends on what tech you're talking about, because I know last night at this event, the, the head of uh, TA for Eventbrite was like, give me your tech folks. I need them right now. I got I got Rex to fill. And, and, and you know, so anyway, I mean, it's, a, it's it, we've never been here before where we're at today. One thing I've noticed is when the market normalizes or when the world, world normalizes <clears throat> um, companies, I think, so even if TA is doing everything right, let's say you have a perfect TA team who thinks about can experience every second of the day. Uh, there's others in the organization who still influence that candidate experience. Uh, and, um, and and they kind of go back into the way that they've always done things because they've been successful, right? It, and, and so we really, in talent acquisition, have to learn how to be advisors and change agents and explain to them, um, hey, you know, this might be why we're we're being challenged here, right? I know that I'm, you know, like maybe, you know, it might like let's just say I'm new to an organization, right? I'm coming in, and and they might say, well, you don't understand how this is how we do things, right? This is why we're not like we should be finding these candidates. Um, we used to have a hundred people apply to this rec. Why are you telling me there's only twenty? Uh, and so we really have to be that advisor to say, well this is, I understand um, why, you know, how you've had that, like so much success in hiring. Let's take that success and let's, let's drop in, um, you know, these, these couple of tweaks we found um, that are really successful, successful in this new market um, to make this new experience together going forward. It's almost like we have to be the change agents to the, the hiring teams who are probably, you know, like doing a lot of transformation within the business. They just forget that you have to transform talent acquisition too sometimes. Can we just take a step back a second just to make sure everybody's on board with how you measure this and, and what it is? And, sure. and again, just from the talent board, uh, you have, I mean, this isn't a small study. I mean, every year you get a couple hundred thousand candidates from many different, yeah. a couple hundred different companies, but yeah. over what your book is about, it, it's, it's an aggregate of that. Mm -hmm. And it looks at 1.25 million candidates. I mean, that's not too shabby. I mean, you're up in the Gallup world when you're talking about that. Uh, pretty significant. And and over 1,200 companies uh, mm -hmm. and around the world. So this is global, but you do you do segment it out to, to different markets. But that's substantial. I mean, so it is considering that we are a small educational nonprofit research organization, right? When you look at and we do have a lot of data over the over time now and over the years. You know, there are a lot of other organizations and and, and the Gallups and McKinsey's and Deloitte's aside and, and others where there's a lot of solution providers in and around our space who have a lot of data, too. And it's, they share valuable information. And sometimes, you know, their their customers, that's there's million their, their responses are in the millions. But we feel like in regards to your question about how we're measuring so we're asking the candidates to tell us about their journey from pre-application to onboarding or as far as they got and most if you do the math most candidates of research a company and a job apply for it and that's the end of the road only a much smaller tier will get screened assessed interviewed made offers to and then accept and if they accept the offers then become a new hire so we have um, a series of four and five point Likert scales that we ask. And um, some the key ratings that we ask are at the very beginning of the survey that we do our competitive analysis on are what, how, based on your experience, how would you rate it overall? And that's a five point scale. And then 
how likely are you to apply again, which is a four point scale, how likely are you to refer others, a four point scale, and then how likely are you to change your relationship with us now based on your experience? And that's more of a forward looking for a four point scale question. Either I'm going to increase my relationship or I'm not. And we're always looking through the lenses of the extreme answer, the absolute yeses and nos and the data. All of those Likert scales are easily converted to net promoter score, which we're doing a lot more of because there are companies who are measuring candidate and a continuous employee experience feedback by NPS. So it's easy for us to then be able to compare and contrast. But and then we basically run a calculation around those four key ones that I mentioned, and which becomes our internal kind of candy score NPS. We stack rank companies that are above the average or the benchmarks that we see are the ones who win our awards. And those are the only companies we name publicly. And then everybody else we work with to help them understand what their strengths and weaknesses are. And um, even some of them we do even further do deeper dives, um, optimization work, uh, the list goes on. But that's, but that's, is that answer your question, Ira? Absolutely. Now, I, I know within that, uh, there are some trends, there are some number one challenges. And I know it's, you know, it used to be delays, you know, people don't get a response, they get ghosted, Still that. or, or it takes too long. So has, has anything changed? Uh, because you said the resentment rates going down, but so far, have the, have the challenges changed at all? No, not, not, not we again, we we've only just begun to kind of look at the early returns. I mean, we still the bulk of our data will come in over the next two months. Um, uh, and then we'll really kind of see where it's shaping up to. But in North America, one of the trends that hasn't changed very much is that the, the number one negative reason why candidates withdraw from the process is because they their time was disrespected. Interviews, appointments, the list goes on. And that, but that that one's pretty, and it's usually only in North America where that's the most negative reason. It's on the list in other regions that we track, but it's number one in North America. Um, we'll have to wait and see what other kind of trends we see in relationships in the data, but communication and feedback again are always key. They're always impact what the, how the ratings are. I mean, and delays, as you were mentioning, from delays going from, if I'm going to be screened and interviewed, how long that process was, if I'm gonna be made an offer, how long after the last interview that I had till I get my offer, the the more that time is extended, the more negative the, the data skews, the more the ratings. Every single year, that's that is the case. And what we find is that the companies who have the highest ratings every year usually are doing things like extremely timely communications. Um, they are structured, doing mostly structured interviews. I mean, not even the highest rated companies are doing it right all the time, but they're doing more of the stuff right most of the time. And that's the sustaining part we're talking about at the end of the day. And that kind of segues into what I was going to ask there, Kevin. Could we dig on that a little bit more? You're talking about the the organizations that are the high performers that are getting the higher uh, awards from Talent Board for having a great candidate yeah. experience. You touched on two major themes, which is the communication and feedback. Yeah. Were there some other particular pieces you can think of that come out consistently for those top performers that would be good tips and recommendations for the rest of employers to try and do more consistently? I mean, um, it is, 
there is, there is one of the things that we're seeing that is becoming more pervasive is the recruiting technologies that companies are leaning on, especially of any hiring volume and scale. I mean, I don't, Adela, I'm curious. I mean, how, you know, your recruiting stack at Edwards Life Sciences, I mean, as there, you have, I'm sure you have multiple systems, right? That recruiting do. Mm-hmm. right now. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot more dependence on it because it's, you just can't, you know, you can't, it's difficult to respond to every single candidate. So things that are now moving into the direction of like smart technologies, AI, what we're calling AI mm-hmm. technologies, being able to, from sourcing to screening, early screening candidates to scheduling, inter- automated scheduling interviews, and not just for hourly high volume hiring either, for professional hires too, um, more and more leaning on that and helping to reduce bias, not eliminate it altogether, but the AI part, it can help, can help reduce bias. I mean, I've seen the data on it. We work with a lot of the solution providers who um, sponsor our program and that we're quite familiar with. And so technology for mid, for any company of mid-sized to global enterprise, it's much more and more pervasive to have that kind of technology from sourcing. And even now going into an onboarding and pre-boarding, pre-boarding is a, a new thing that's that we're starting to hear a lot more about of companies because of, of you know, there have been, you know, more hires. That's not something we're measuring directly in our data, but anecdotally, we know that, you know, candidate ghosting is up and the candidates accepting offers and then declining at the last minute or not showing up to the job. Nurturing the candidates between the final, the, the accepted offer to day one is becoming much, much more of a priority. And it's a retention starter too, for uh, out of the gate. We had a conversation last night at the event I was at where, you know, Again, we're not measuring post day one after onboarding, but everything that happens before and everything that happens after, I mean, you're constantly having to re-recruit to retain. That's the reality. And now you're seeing more TA um, involvement in internal mobility and retention strategies. And it's not just punning it to HR and talent management internally they're they're they should be more part of it because it it is more of a i would argue again you're having to re-recruit to retain i mean adela what do you think about that yeah and if you know i remember back to the very first time when we started speaking together and we talked about the human touch and so it's the right balance of technology with the human element because we've uh kevin and i've gone pretty deep into some organizations and one of the things we found are there are some companies out there doing super cool things with like texting for example but um i remember one one situation we found was um this company was was really embracing text to uh get in contact with candidates which is amazing However, um, it wasn't. Uh, it, it was. It was. It was kind of all over the place. Uh, there. There. Uh, it was. It was perhaps a little bit too casual. Um, there wasn't a like a template, a templated message. Um, recruiters weren't really identifying themselves, so candidates weren't responding because they're like, "This looks suspicious," right? And and so um, blending that that technology with um, with with good guidelines, but also that that human element and bringing it back. Um, because another thing that we always talk about, and it's in the book, is to measure your responses. Now, right, right now I'm gonna talk specifically about rejection messages, but um, your responses to the candidates with how much time they've invested and how far they got into mm-hmm. your evaluations. So you can have a canned 
template or templated, I should say, can's a bad word, templated message, right? A, a standard one for a rejection for an applicant who you don't talk to. But if someone's talking with you or someone's even more talking to the the hiring manager, the interview team, you have to call that person, and um, and and that's uh, a really good rule of thumb. Uh, just to you know, pick up the phone, just just call them. Ira, Adela, and Kevin, it's amazing to me how often in these type of conversations, everything always comes back to common sense etiquette of how we mm -hmm. respect and treat one another. And it just is fascinating to me uh, that that it always still comes back to that. So any employers out there who are still thinking like the whole human skills, the culture stuff, the working on the empathy, um, those things are, are too fuzzy. You're hearing from leaders today who are saying this is still the quintessential challenge for you getting the right talent and them saying yes and then continuing to say yes every day to say that they're invested in the company. These are the things that they're still looking for. It's absolutely fascinating. The, the diff, you know, Jason, one of the things that, you know, going back to my comment of, of hearing from some very fatigued HRTA people who are in recruiting and hiring and not only in, in you know, industries that have been battered on many, many different fronts, like healthcare, for example, um, but just across the board that the if this is where if leadership, business leadership doesn't feel like TA is so really a strategic partner in the organization. And it's just more about, okay, we got to fill the seats. And then when things slow down, you got to go. And when things pick up again, you come back and we need you again. And that's what happens with recruiting all the time, followed by marketing. And, but it, it is, if, when to in defense of a lot of ta folks and recruiters and i'm sure adela will concur that if you if you are just like i can't breathe and i've got 50 60 70 racks that i'm managing right now trying to get those seats filled and i've already i've already lost some team members either they left or they were let go i don't i don't have time even with technology helping me i i, I just don't have the time to do that relationship building that's so critical in that investment stage of where the candidates are investing, as Adele was saying, and the employers are investing more, um, that that has the, the culture internally for recruiting has to change. It has to be more about what, what the things that we do want to invest in. Technology can help a lot, but Adele is right. I mean, it's that the human connection and the, and like you said, common sense etiquette, but if I'm don't have time to breathe, that stuff goes out the window and then we see it in the data. I mean, the, the lack of, of employers, here's the thing, candidates only care about one thing, getting the job. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about your people, your process, your technologies. I don't care about any of that. Free lunches. Right, what's that? Free lunches, foosball table. I, mean, I just care about getting the job and then, yeah. you know, being a part of this company or, I mean, and. You know, we were like came up last night too. This discussion of somebody's like, "Well, do you do you market careers?" And and the TA leader next to me is kind of like, "What's a career?" I mean, things have changed so dramatically right now, and ten years are much shorter. And people are like, "It's not, you know, I'm not at a company for fifty years anymore." Sometimes it is just to pay the bills. Sometimes it is, you know, even if I like the people I work with and what we do, 
and I do it for six, 12, 18, 24 months, and then I'm gone again and doing something else or try to, I mean, it's just such a dramatic different world right now, but candidates only care about getting the job and most won't, but everything a company does, Adela's team, the processes they have in place, their technologies they utilize for recruiting and hiring impact everything that a candidate perceives about that business and that brand, even if they don't realize it. And the companies control the dials. They control the dials of what they do, what they say, when they say it, with what frequency. Um, they're in more in control than I think what they think. So, and they and what they what they should be doing for that matter. We want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to take a real quick break, and we'll be right back to continue uh, the conversation about the candidate experience, the new book. We've got Kevin Grossman from the Talent Board and Adela Schulderman from Edwards uh, Life Sciences, also working with the Talent Board for many years, and they're the co-authors of a new book called The Candidate Experience. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation. We've been talking a lot about change, and we're going to hear from our sponsor. We're going to hear a little bit about adaptability, so stay tuned. We will be right back. For most of us, change is freaking terrifying. And unfortunately, there's no app to adapt. That might change in the not so distant future. But for now, we're on our own. That means we can either accept our default future or reimagine our tomorrow. For those of you who choose default, good luck. Just remember, there's no pause button for change. You can't turn back the clock. And there's no get-out-of-jail-free card in this age of perpetual uncertainty. Like it or not, change will happen all around us. And that change is not becoming just more disruptive and frequent, but volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, or VUCA. Fortunately, you can make change work for you and turn it into your personal and competitive advantage. Reimagine your future to one in which you're living with purpose, you're happy, and you're growing, thriving, and flourishing. If you're ready to rewrite your next life chapter and regain control of your destiny in this never-normal world, your journey starts here. Contact the leader in adaptability and making change work for you, your team, and your organization. Ira S. Wolf, adaptability.expert. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Every time I listen to that commercial, Jason, it, it it applies to everything we're talking about. And the biggest struggle is how do we get people's mindset to change? And so just a real quick reminder is the AQ Plus Mindset coaching program is there. Uh, 30 days of how to get people to think about uh, how to open their minds, be willing to take risks, uh, be willing to try new things, take challenges, and nothing's going to be perfect for a while. So a lesson to HR, the days of best practices are sort of over. We have a, what we call evolving practices. Uh, they're, they're, it, it's it's going to be uh, constantly retesting, reexamining, reevaluating, uh, figuring out what works. And gosh, the talent board has been doing that for a long time. And as, as you say, is every year is a little bit different, which leads into what something that we were talking about before, this, the HR tech stack. So let me I, I've got an interesting question, and, and you guys haven't heard this before, um, but I, I want to just get your both of your takes on it. The Avanti, when they looked at this digital employee experience, and I, I think everything that they're looking at transports over 
to the the, the digital candidate experience. Mm -hmm. And they talk about their tech stack. And it's a matter of convenience that, you know, even onboarding, Kevin, you were talking about pre-boarding and onboarding before, bringing people on. And, mm -hmm. and even to log on, they have multiple passwords and they have different systems. And, and then even if they have a question, how do they get there? And what they talk about uh, is what they built, what Avanti built was this self-healing technology, this AI technology that anticipated problems. They anticipate when, when somebody had a problem, there was immediately a response. They didn't have to submit a ticket. Uh, so all I envisioned was somebody trying to apply to a job and or, or they lost their password to the ATS uh, or they, they were in the middle of an application. They were confused by the question. Uh, and then they had to send out a chat or call somebody and they didn't hear back. If those problems could be anticipated, uh, and, and what they, what Ivanti calls, what Jeff Abbott calls, it is self-healing. They're, they're self-healing uh, in anticipation of a problem that there's no delays. It's a frictionless process. It, at least from an, I won't say I'm an outsider, but I'm, I'm not in HR tech, is that there seems to be the HR tech stack is just um, almost like a, this Jenga tower. It's things stacked on top. Uh, Adela, you talked about texting. You know, company uses texting. So, oh, let's get that module and we'll slap it on our existing system. Uh, and and there's nothing really integrated. And to the employee or to the candidate, it's not very seamless. So, it, it is the it, instead of self healing, it seems that a lot of what HR has done or companies have done in the past is almost self inflicting. They're almost the self-inflicting wounds uh, and making it more difficult. The, the attempt is to make it easier by a new technology, by texting. But in the end, it, it may make it may make it more difficult for the users. And we've got two users. We've got the HR and we've got the candidates. Is there anything going on that you see that's hoping to, to heal this rather than just continue to inflict wounds upon ourselves? That's a good question. I um, one thing I can I can think of um, up front is that uh, a lot of systems that have been out there are really good at one thing. Um, so they really hook a company on like one particular module, call it uh, aspect. Maybe it's reporting, but then maybe the applicant tracking system is is lacking, right? And and so I think a lot of companies are, are starting to improve, um, uh, be, be more of a, a better generalist system. Uh, there, another thing is in the past, I think, um, you know, when, when you think about it, these are first impressions, uh, right? The, the applicant tracking system, the career site, this is the first impression of an organization, but it's a place where historically companies really don't put a lot of budget into uh, the implementation, the integrations with other systems. So I think that's something that's really starting to change too. But at the same time, those, some of those, those, Vendors, um, those 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 platforms are getting more are getting simpler, I guess, to um, to to integrate or to install too. So it's um, a lot of things are changing, but um, it's uh, just technology is getting better. Yes, but it's the reality too. It is getting better, but it's also not a sentient being either. And I know we, you know, there's always jokes about AI taking over, and and but I I what the thing that that I think is when you look at scaling a software platform for multiple customers that you have and when especially when, when we went from install base to you know software in the cloud and making things configurable but not fully customized 
and yet your customers are constantly saying, I want this and this and that. And it's just cost prohibitive, right? For you to make those changes in a platform that's not going to be help the, the, the mass of your customers. And the list goes on. I mean, software development um, for people that are in that way above my pay grade. But, you know, from what I know that the, the there's nothing there right now that's really there in technologies are getting better as Adela said, but they're helping us make better decisions because we're rife with bias as humans, period, uh, full of bias. And it's helping to reduce the bias, not eliminate it altogether to help make better select sourcing selections and screening selections. And I mean, the list goes on. So it's helping that, but you know, we were, I was again, the conversation I had last night, the, both of us talked about, I mean, the head of TA from Eventbrite talked about how, you know, we have children that um, have have other needs than, than, than other, other children that have um, not learning disabilities, but just need more support in school. And we're worried about what happens when they're in the workforce. Right. Because like my oldest daughter has gotten lots of support over the years in school with with um, speech when she needed it or when she was much younger and OT. And now she's she's really thriving in school and has gotten that support. But what that, you know, she's not going to have that necessarily. I mean, that's not there in the workplace. We're not we're not set up to help people who are newer divergent and and have uh, needs that it's just not the work the world of work and technology right now and recruiting and hiring is just it's not really set up for that it may be getting there um and uh but anyway that's my take yeah i mean it's it's so important and and again we we talk about it. the the technology is is no question is unquestionably more advanced yes and, oh, yeah. and, and and i think everybody here would agree that we need more technology to help um, reduce the routine and the mundane things and to reach out to people. And, and even if they are canned messages, at least it's a response, so it's better, but you, you can make canned responses, uh, hum warm and welcoming. They don't have oh, to yeah. be, hey, thank you for applying yes. and that's yes. it. So there are ways to actually do that and it's gonna get better and better. But again, using using the Avanti information is is that although most of the organizations agreed that they need to use technology and better technology, they only 20% of the companies budgeted and only 20% of the people ever looked at the user experience. They looked at the technology, the cost, the productivity, um, but they never looked at it from the user experience. And I think that's what's changing. And I guess that maybe our, our concluding message, what we'd like to get out to people is we got to do a better job. Some of it's just practices, as Jason, you said, some of it's common sense. Uh, hey, if somebody's invested hours and, and time and, and to get through a process, but maybe they're not the best candidate, it, you still can't ignore them and you can't go. Oh, no. Right. You have to say thank you. And whether that's done by technology or a phone call or a text message that we've got to do it. But we are, unfortunately, uh, as I said, we, I, we, I can talk about this all day long. I wrote a book about it. Uh, and, and, and so I'm always fascinated. Uh, but we do want to make sure we get to the candidate experience. Right. And you can get to that at, from going to the talentboard.org. And I believe, Kevin, you actually can get a 20% yes. off 
that. So if you go to the talent board somewhere, I can I can see if I can give you the long URL there. But if you go to town board, look for the book, uh, and then you get a, a discount code. It's under our re, it's under the resources link in the in the, in the navigation. So you'll okay. find. Yep. But before we let you go and we find out how other ways that we might be able to contact you individually, uh, Jason, uh, do you want to take off on the uh, lightning round here? Yeah, let's fire it up and let's do it. Kevin, we'll start with you first and then I'll come with you with a, a different question there, Adela. So, Kevin, how about what would your classmates be surprised to see about you today? Playing the drums as much as I'm doing. I mean, some have seen it because I post videos, but yes, playing the drums. Very cool. And as you were telling us before we started the show, this is something new that you just picked up, right? Yeah, during, during the during the COVIDs, the pandemic, I've always wanted to do it and I started doing it. So Awesome. Adela, let's say that you uh, strike it rich and you hit the lottery today. What are you going to do? Pay off my houses and uh, open a dog rescue, rescue all the Huskies. <laughs> so Huskies in particular. I have, I have five dogs. I have four Huskies. They're all rescues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, Kevin, other than your own book, which we have been promoting today, how about a, a favorite book that you have? Oh, gosh. Um, no, I know. I, I'm probably going to say um, anything written by Neil Peart. He wrote, he wrote a lot of nonfiction when he was still alive. He was the drummer and lyricist of the band Rush, which I've been a super fan of. So all, and he wrote a lot about his travels, bicycling through West Africa, motorcycling through North and South America. I mean, just his, those are some of my favorite books. Yeah. My father-in-law would love to hear that because he is a huge, the band fan, LeVon Helm in particular. So he oh, loves yeah. to read books by some of his favorite musicians. That's awesome. Yeah, no, they're great. They're just, they're really all fun. Really. I just liked his prose a lot and uh, yeah. And he wrote a, he did write a fictional book with a, a author named Kevin Anderson called uh, Clockwork Angels, which was based on their last album they did together too. So anyway. Awesome. And then Della, how about for you, instead of a favorite book, how about a, a favorite song or a favorite band? In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel has always my, been my all-time favorite song. It's just, it's just magical. I love it. Awesome. Well, we we cannot thank you both enough for coming on with us today and talking about this very important topic um, for our listeners on candidate experience. Before we let you go, um, we just want to make sure that we have some ways that folks can get in touch with you and follow your work. So we have the talentboard.org up on the screen. Um, but Adela, let's start with you. How else can people get in touch with you? Please search for me on, on LinkedIn. That's the best place to find me. And, um, and and send me your questions. I can talk about candidate experience all day. I'm so passionate about it. Perfect. And Kevin, how about you? Same thing. Connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where that's where it can all start. Or just go to the talentboard.org too, but LinkedIn. And congrats to both of you again uh, for the book. I, I know what it takes to write a book. Uh, and I'm really excited to get my, get my hands on it. It's uh, literally in my inbox at the moment. Uh, and I, I saw the preview and very excited about it. And we'll definitely have to get you back uh, again, uh, as we always do, uh, have both of you back uh, as the information from 2022 comes out. Yeah. I know Thank you so uh, much. that'll be coming up soon. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. So thanks very much, guys. Thank Appreciate you. Being here. Again, this, uh, Kevin Grossman and Adela Schulderman from the Talent Board. Um, please check out their website. Uh, if you haven't been downloading the 
their annual reports, uh, please do so. I know they have the 2021 up there. Uh, 2022 will be coming out, uh, you know, shortly, or actually 2023, I guess will be, it'll be 2023 by the time it comes out in January and February. We'll be excited to, 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 to see that again. And uh, please uh, make sure you pick up a copy of their book at the uh, Candidate Experience at the Talent Board and you get a 20% discount. Uh, Jason, what is what was your takeaway? I think for me it was when they started talking about talent acquisition needs to be at the strategic level and that it's not just when you're needing to go hire people, but you need to adapt those same type of re-recruiting processes for your people who are already hired on that are inside your organization, that we need to uh, adopt this mindset of if you are a business and you have employees, you are re-recruiting every single day um, to earn their best efforts, um, to make an amazing employee experience for them as well. I think that was a big takeaway for me. Don't just think about talent acquisition when you're trying to fill seats, but how do you keep those seats filled when people are there? You can use a lot of the same processes and tap into those experts and leaders to help you shape those processes. Again, it was just a confirmation. Uh, you know, every time I I hear or see any of the information that comes out from the talent board, especially around employee resentment, and remember, employee although it's gone down uh, so far, the trend uh, from Kevin and Adela, they said it was going down a little bit, which is a good thing. Any employee resentment's too high. And the companies can't afford to, they can't afford to lose employees, uh, but most companies aren't even measuring how many people drop out uh, before they even apply. So they go up, they start an application and you've heard me over and over say this, they start an application and somewhere they get frustrated. And oftentimes it's, it's not the application itself, it's the technology, uh, or maybe the application's too long, it didn't convert very well, or it doesn't work on a mobile device. Uh, it doesn't work on a tablet, doesn't work on an iOS, or it works better on a Samsung or a Windows device than, than something else. Uh, so companies need to really be more sensitive to that. They came through the Avanti report and basically employees are willing to quit, give up a paycheck uh, if they don't like the digital experience when they're not, when there's nothing to lose, they're going to drop out of the account experience much faster. Uh, again, a good confirmation there and, and super excited uh, to, to have uh, Kevin join us again and meet Adela and I'm sure both of them will be back uh, hopefully as uh, soon as the, uh, the, the 2022 report is out. Yep, absolutely. So uh, until next time, I'm Jason Cochran. We want to thank you, Googleization Nation, for tuning in today. If you haven't rated us or given us a review or subscribed to the podcast, we'd love for you to do so. And thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Until next time, don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs>